For almost 2,000 years, the Catholic Church has pointed the way toward salvation through Jesus Christ. For each of us, that journey starts in darkness, as if in a cave. We invite you now to come with us as we seek wisdom and truth by way of faith and reason with your guides, Mark Tuttle and Timothy O'Donnell. Join us in the Catholic Cave. Welcome once again to the Catholic Cave. I'm Kent Blanford in the cave with me, your favorite troglodytes, Mr. Timothy O'Donnell, Mr. Mark Tuttle. Gentlemen, throughout history, there have been multiple forms of government, everything you could possibly think of. There's been republics, there's been democratic republics, there have been fiefdoms and kingdoms and mm. uh, empires, there have been, you know, the Soviet Union, there's been all kinds of economic states that go along with those, capitalism, socialism, communism. It's, a, it's become such a jumble these days. How do we tell one from the other and how do we know what's right and what's wrong? But from a Catholic view, we have to all go always go back to one thing, and that's the fact that, uh, you know, the Catholic world, heaven, is a kingdom. We have one king, Jesus Christ. Now, here on earth, we have to muddle our way through all these different forms of government and all these different ways of thinking. We're going to need some help with that. Where do we go? <laughs> well, you just kind of brought up the namesake of our program in, in sort of, sort of you know, we, we're the Catholic cave, and where the idea of the cave comes from is Plato's Republic. So he's got the, the, the parable of the cave that the idea is to, you know, turn towards the true things rather than just the appearances of things. But the whole context of that is a discussion of what is justice? What is the best way for us to govern? What is the best way to be governed? And I mean, honestly, that is the, uh, I think that's the perennial question of at least the political and ethical side of philosophy. Yeah. And Plato's Republic predates uh, the focus that we're actually going to place in this show by, uh, oh my gosh, 2000 years. Almost. Right. But it's the <laughs> same. It's the same. It's the same question. And, and I think right. Plato, I think Plato points in the direction where the answer ultimately lies is you have to look beneath the surfaces of things. You can't just look at the surface level of what's going on. You have the to shadows. realize, yeah, yeah, you have to realize that there's a deeper level. There's a mm -hmm. deeper truth that exists behind these things. And, um, you know, with, with us just having, celebrated Christ the King Sunday, um, moving, into, moving into Advent here, you know, we recognize that human history is, is really being played out because of the cosmic conflict between good and evil, the cosmic conflict between really God and the devil that, that, that's being played out um, behind the scenes, so to speak. Well, that means we're going to need to bring a guest in. And that guest is going to be Dr. Paul Kangor, uh, because he has a new book out. So stay tuned to The Catholic Cave. We'll be right back with Dr. Paul Kangor. You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy, converting the culture to Christ through radio, featuring 100% Catholic programming 24-7. Do your friends a favor. Tell them about Catholic Radio Indy. Alexa, what's the weather forecast for today? Alexa, what time is the Colts game today? Alexa, remind me to pick up the dry cleaning tomorrow. Has Alexa become a part of your daily routine? Then make sure that routine includes Alexa 
Play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Quick, easy access to Catholic programming 24-7. Just say, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome to the Catholic Cave. I'm Timothy O'Donnell. In the cave, we have a special... Well, we have our usual... Kent likes to call us troglodytes. Uh, that's myself, Mark Tuttle, Kent Blanford, our producer and trusty sidekick. But we have a great friend of the show, a uh, great scholar, a great Catholic uh, joining us, and that is Dr. Paul Kangor. He is a professor of political science at Grove City College. He's also the executive director for the Center for Vision and Values there. He is an outstanding author, and he has a new book out, uh, which is why we've invited him back into the Catholic Cave. And his new book is called The Devil. I love this. The Devil and Karl Marx. And uh, welcome, Dr. Kangor. Hey, guys. From uh, one troglodyte to a few others, good to to be in touch. I've been called a Neanderthal before. So I think it's probably probably a perfect spot for me. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah you, you you fit right in around here. Yeah, yeah, we could just growl at each other and you know bang our clubs and. Righto. And, uh, Mark's yeah. kind of sporting a Fred Flintstone outfit today, so he's got the legs for it. <laughs> You're Barney Rubble. Right, right exactly. Yeah, well, you yeah, don't yeah. you don't know how true that is, Doctor Kangor. And, and, and we were talking earlier because we had trouble connecting. You don't have. Uh, was it? I'm showing my age here. Was it Wilma and Betty? I think right. You don't have any women in the cave to kind of get you guys in order this morning. So you know, correct. Yes. Showered, shaven, <laughs> and you couldn't even connect to me this morning. Of all things. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, we were we definitely floundering. So, but uh, I think if you've listened to the Catholic Cave uh, before, you know that Dr. Kangor has been on many times. He's He's written uh, d- at least a dozen books. I-, I also, and maybe we'll get to a little bit of this too. You, I recently caught you on a fantastic EWTN program called uh, Sheep and Wolves Clothing, the second mm-hmm. one. Uh, but today we're going to focus on, maybe we'll be able to tie some of that in, but we want to talk to you about this fantastic new book that you have, uh, The Devil and Karl Marx, and you are a among many other areas of expertise, you are a an expert on communism, the Cold War, Pope and a President's fantastic book. I couldn't recommend that one enough, and you have other related books. But uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, Dr. Kangor, tell us a little bit about your latest project here with the devil and Karl Marx. Well, thanks, Tim. Also, i got to say, I, I always try to say this, I love Indianapolis. And I met you guys a few years ago when I spoke at, it was Our Lady of Mount Carmel Church, right? Right. Yep. And, uh, in fact, I still have here hanging on my, in my, on my bookshelf the, the great rosary that you guys gave me. Oh, thank as you. A, as, as a gift. And it, it is a, um, I've got to put my glasses on to see this. It is a Knights Templar rosary. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, solid, a really good rosary. And, and also, too, I, I will be back in Indianapolis, I think it's in May, and I'm speaking to the Legatus chapter out there. So if we could ever get past this COVID thing, man, wow. wow yeah, wow, yeah, wow. yeah. We, we will definitely either have to have you in studio or arrange some sort of other speaking engagement. Maybe we can dovetail with that. Oh, that'd, that'd be, be great. fantastic. Yeah, 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 let's do that. Let's do that. So another church there, double up. That's a great idea. And um, I love to do this topic. So, uh, and so indeed, so the devil and Karl Marx. I did 
th- this is a subject, guys, that I've that I've focused on for a long time, and mm-hmm. I did. It, it's the title is kind of a, a play on different book titles I've done. So my first book was called God and Ronald Reagan, and then after that I did a book called God and George W. Bush, and I even did a book called God and Hillary Clinton. Which <laughs> right. <laughs> so a lot of don't that was probably your it. shortest book. It, it was, it's funny. When, so when I mention that, I get two looks, right? Conservative mm-hmm. Catholics kind of laugh. They think I'm joking. And then, and then liberal, uh, uh, liberal Catholics or liberals, they kind of give me this funny look, like you did, you really, really? <laughs> but, but, I, but, it, but it was, it was, it was a book on. I told my publisher, I said I, I'd like to do a book on the faith of the Clintons, and and the, I, you know, these are people I didn't support. I said, but they're religious left Christians. Hillary Clinton's is old, like old. She called herself an old-fashioned Methodist, and anyway, I did that book. And and they wanted me to do more God and books, as they put it. I oh, said, I okay, don't know. yeah. I don't know if I want yeah. to do this the rest of my life, but 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 I've always been so to do a book on the faith of Karl Marx. I wasn't going to call it God and Karl Marx because Marx didn't believe in God. Right. And 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 Marx had this this weird interest in in the devil, which he wrote about in poems, plays. I mean, really disturbing poems wow. and plays. I, I, I opened the book with a couple stanzas from a couple of his poems. One was from 1837, and one was from 1841. And the first one, 1837, The Pale Maiden, he wrote, Thus heaven I forfeited, I know it full well. My soul, once true to God, is chosen for hell. Oh, good and Lord. Yeah, exactly. If that doesn't give you chills, and, and, and you know, this is important to say, and I say this throughout the book, it, it's hard to know here when Marx is just, just writing, you know, when he, you know, in the way that any writer w- might write about something in a play or a poem or whatever. It doesn't mean that he necessarily believes personally what he's saying there. It's hard to know if it's autobiographical, but I, I think that that particular verse is at least partly autobiographical because mm-hmm. he was once a believer and and you know he he forfeited heaven he rejected his soul was once true to god um, i don't know if his soul was chosen for hell you know, we we as catholics wouldn't wouldn't believe that but uh, you know it, it, it's possible that, that was autobiographical the the other the other stanza that i open up the the book with it's from a play he did in 1841 called the player and he wrote there, Look now, my blood-dark sword shall stab unerringly within thy soul. The hellish vapors rise and fill the brain, till I go mad and my heart is utterly changed. See the sword, the prince of darkness, sold it to me. He beats the time and gives the signs. Ever more boldly I play the dance of death. And and my preface in the book is called the Dance of Death, which I think is is a, a, a chilling metaphor, intended or not, for this vast field of death created by Marxist ideology. Oh, you know, over a hundred million people dead from communist ideology in the 20th century alone, and now still counting into the 21st century. So. This is the kind of stuff that Marx wrote about, and I gave you there just two samples of, of plenty of things that would make your hair stand on end. 
you know, once, once you start. Right. right. Well, as cavemen, right. we got a lot of hair. That, it's, yeah. That's horrifying. <laughs> it's absolutely horrifying. That, that is really shocking. Right. And, and, the, and the burning question, and, and absolutely no pun intended there, but the burning, the burning oh, question gosh, Mark, is. They're uh, full of them today. <laughs> it, oh, I wish I would have used that in the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but which, you know, which is driving which? Um, you know, is the dog wagging the tail or the tail wagging the dog when it comes to Marx's economic theories and what we typically think of, of Marxist ideology, is that what drives the atheism or is it the atheist, is it the other way around? Is it the atheism that sort of drives the ideology? Well, Marx wrote, and, and I first read this in a translation of a, of a Marx writing in French that was translated by, by the late great Bishop Fulton Sheen. And, mm. and because Sheen could read French and read more Marx and probably anybody else in the church, at least in the American church in the 20th century. And, and, and Marx wrote, communism begins where atheism begins. Communism mm. begins where atheism begins. So, so you know, that, that might, in part, answer your question, right, on you know, which, which wags the, uh, the tail wags the dog. Or, and, and, and also Marx, in his famous Opiate of the Masses essay, Mark, he, he said there that the criticism of religion is the beginning of all criticism. And that, you know, that essay where he, in, in fact, the full line is that religion is the sigh of the oppressed creature. It is the heart of a heartless world. It is the soul of soulless conditions. Religion is the opiate of the masses. And he used the word criticism 29 times in that essay. Maybe the only word, you know, Marx writes about criticism all, all the time. He wrote in a letter to Arnold Rouge, one of his friends, he called for the ruthless criticism of everything that exists. And maybe the only word that he used more than criticism is the word abolition. They, they, they wrote, mm. he and Ingalls wrote in the Communist Manifesto, the entire theory of the communists may be summed up in a single sentence, abolition of private property. And then they also, in there, they write about the abolition of, quote, all religion, all morality, unquote. Quote, abolition of the family, exclamation mark, they wrote. Even the most radical flare up at this infamous proposal of the communists. So Marx wanted to criticize. He wanted to abolish. And the idea that this is this is just this economic philosophy. Mm. Um, no, I mean the problem with Marxism isn't just that it has economics wrong. It has it has its its as Pope Benedict the Sixteenth put it, as John Paul the Second put it. It has its anthropology wrong. Mm. It misunderstands human nature. It has its philosophy wrong. It attacks religion. It attacks God. So uh, people need to realize that uh, this, uh, this is a completely, really radical, really extreme ideology. It's not just a, something that, quote-unquote, distorts markets or doesn't understand you know, the, the you know, supply and demand or basic laws of economics. It gets its entire understanding of human nature wrong. That's why it fails. And, and what I argue in this book is, you really want to understand this. You've got to look at it from a spiritual perspective. Mm, and that, you know, that's right. what so many people have missed out on about Marx. Well, that, you, you've shared a, a ton of things I didn't, I didn't really realize. I, obviously, when I, when I make a, a list of you know, bad characters throughout history and pernicious uh, evildoers, Marx, Marx, Karl Marx always makes my list. If, if, but I think I've elevated them now to the top of it. So um, what are, so you, you've made some explicit connections 
between Karl Marx and dark forces, Satan himself. Uh, I didn't realize, I think, and maybe most of our audience, I think when I think of Karl Marx's writings, I think of really only two. I really think of the Communist Manifesto and Das Kapital. But you've read much more widely on that. So as you were doing your research for this book, what were some of the, uh, what were a couple of the remarkable things that, that kind of you discovered through your research? Oh, man, there's so much. I bet. Um, <laughs> yeah, there, there, there really is. But, but he had, Mar- Mark, Marx, First of all, Marx fancied himself a poet. So, I mean, he really, he really wanted to be a poet. You know, kind of oddly mm. like how, uh, how Hitler you know, really wanted to be a painter, right? right. You know, ab- above all, and I'm not equating him with, with Hitler. I mean, and, I mean, they both did unleash evil ideas, right? I mean, right. Hitler um, you know, more directly sought to quite literally exterminate people, but... But but the the analogy here being that you know we, we think of Hitler as a political person, but he really longed to be a painter. You know, Marx, who uh, authored the Marxist ideology that killed more people than Hitler even killed. You know, Marx wanted to be a mm-hmm. poet, and and he wanted to do nothing less than than be the Goethe of his age. You know, Goethe, oh, yeah. spelled G O E T H E. People often don't know how to pronounce that name, but Goethe wrote Faust, the famous mm-hmm. Faustian mm-hmm. bargain with the Mephistopheles character. Mephistopheles was the, the devil or demon character in Goethe's spouse. And when, when people who knew Marx, associates, family members, they said that, that he had a favorite verse, a favorite phrase. Like if, if you asked us, right, um, give us a favorite phrase, we might say something like, well, be not afraid, right? Or, yeah, or yeah. a Bible verse or something like that. Marx had a favorite quote from Goethe's spouse, and, and it was this: everything that exists deserves to perish. Oh, everything that exists deserves to perish. And and people, observers said he would chant this, he would recite this, right? It, it's it's a line from Mephistopheles of all things. Mm. Everything that exists deserves to perish. And I and I quote a number of times in the book, including in the preface. Robert Payne, I think the best Marx biographer, and his his groundbreaking biography of Marx from 1968, he had a chapter there called, called, uh, where is it? Oh, the the demons, the demons. Right. And and he had a line in there, here it is, I wanted to find this for you to read, read you the quote. There were times when Marx seemed to be possessed by demons. Right? I mean, it's a pretty shocking statement. Oh, right! There, there were times when Marx seemed to be possessed by demons. Marx had the devil's view of the world and the devil's malignity. Sometimes Marx seemed to know that he was accomplishing works of evil. Now, I say there, guys, in the book, I have no proof that Marx was a Satanist. I don't know whether he was possessed. I mean, I wouldn't dare go there, right? I, I mean, I can affirm that he was an atheist. That's easy, right? No one denies that. Marx didn't deny that. And, and some people would say, well, an atheist wouldn't be a Satanist because of an atheist non-belief in the supernatural, right? It, it, you know, more likely what some people probably mean to say or they like to say about Marx is that he was an atheist doing the work of the devil, you know, whether oh, he was yeah. fully cognizant of it or not. Mm-hmm. And you know, Some would be maybe more inclined to say, that, that Marx was possessed rather than a Satanist, as even the, uh, this biographer Robert Payne speculated. 
and maybe, right? Maybe you know th- those are things that I you know, I don't try to authenticate. I've got no examples of marks using Ouija boards, engaging in black masses, seances, channeling. I don't have any examples of that. Though I do give examples of other communists doing stuff like that, including the Potesti prison in Romania, where they were they were doing black masses. They were they were they were tying up priests in mocks crucifixions uh, on crosses that they laid on the floor where the other religious prisoners were told to go by and urinate on them. They made these priests quote unquote consecrate human feces in the form of communion hosts and shove them in people's mouths. Oh, I mean, I'm not gosh. making this stuff up. You read right, this stuff, right. you you won't believe it. They referred to Christ as the great idiot crucified, Mary as the great whore. I mean, really evil stuff that, that the disciples of mm-hmm. Marx did. But, but you know, my point in this book is, even if I don't know whether Marx was possessed or a Satanist, and I quote other people speculating that maybe he was, I, I can at least say that what this guy wrote, what he believed, the things that he did, what is what is ideology unleashed that's all very dark and very disturbing so i never want to overstate anything but we also don't want to understate because you know there's some really troubling stuff here in the life of karl marx yeah that's a great example of uh you look at you examine the fruit of his work and you see how absolutely rotten and pernicious it is and like right. you said the body count is is really almost unimaginable from communism, and the implementation yeah, this, of his of his ideas. Yeah, this is this is well put. This is fruit from a poison tree, and you know, that kind of when you look at when you look at an, an, an ideology, an idea that let's take the Harvard University Press book, the Black Book of Communism, which credits mm-hmm. communism with the deaths of over one hundred million people. From, from 1917 to about 1998. That book was published at the end of the 20th century. And by the way, so that doesn't include what's still going on in China, what's right. still going on in North Korea. You know, Lord knows what's happening in Cuba still. But you look at that kind of rot and, and the fact that, that there, you, you still can't find a single example of a communist government that's worked anywhere that it's tried. You know, despite being tried dozens, if not hundreds, of times, which gets to the point of why would people today still be communists? Right. right. <laughs> and, 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 and they'll say all the time, "Well, it simply hasn't been done correctly." Really? Well, I, I mean, how many times do you want to try it before someone does it right? But but you but you look at that, and it, back to your point, Tim, on 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 the fruit fruit from a from from a poison tree. It, it, you, you look at that ideology and you think, well, this has got to have some poisonous roots. And then you go back and you look at the founder and you look at what he believed and what he wrote and, and his family life, of all things, his personal life, and, and then you say, ah, well, this, this adds up. Yeah, this, this, this comes from a bad guy with bad ideas, and, and we shouldn't be surprised when, when these are the consequences. Right, and, and I guess going back to the, the, the roots, how deep do those roots go? Um, you know, did, does he seem to be more uh, a kind of child of his times and, and uh, you know, uh, 
you know, if it weren't for Karl Marx himself, would somebody else with similar views have, have risen up at the at the same time and same place? Or is he sort of an, uh, you know, sort of this, this strange guy that just sort of happened to be and, and you know, his, his thought and idea then led to ideologies that were, were massively murderous and destructive? Well, that's a great question. I mean, he's really the pioneer. Mm-hmm. And the way the Communist Manifesto came about was there was a group called, it wasn't the Communist Party, it was called the Communist League, and it was made up of about 40 to 50 members. They were all um, German men. The one woman was Marx's wife. By the way, I love this with, with, with liberals, right, always talking about dwems, dead white European males and how bad they are, right, and, and you know, white guys and white privilege and everything, and leftists say all this stuff, and of all things, they're following Marxist, who is a dead white uh, Marx, who is a dead white uh, German, right, right. You know, European male. <laughs> right. It's like I thought you didn't like these guys, right? right, you, right. Well, you just don't like Columbus and Shakespeare and you know <laughs> Sarah, right? But, but Marx and Engels are okay. But but they, the Communist League, decided that they needed a written statement of what they believe, and so they gave the task to, to Marx and Engels. And before it was called the Communist Manifesto, I have this letter from Engels where he's writing to Marx, guys, and he, and he writes, Give a little more thought to our communist confession of faith. I think we should drop the catechetical form and simply call it the Manifesto. So they, they were, they, it's funny, there's all this religious language that they use all the time, a sort of aping of God. And, and they dropped the phrase communist confession of faith, and they called it the communist manifesto. So your point, Mark, that, uh, yeah, it was really Marx that spearheaded it, the project. I mean, he put his stamp on it. And what he gave us really is um, less communism. Well, no, it's, it's communism, but he gave us Marxism. So it, it's, it's kind of... It really bears the manifesto and all these writings, the sort of corpus of early communist writings. They're really Marxist. They're really based on Marx. And they are infused with, with, with his ideas throughout. I think the, maybe the most striking line in the communist manifesto is actually in the final paragraph. Everybody remembers phrases like, workers of the world unite. Uh, we have nothing but, uh, nothing but the world to win. Um, you know, throw off your chains. But, but there, there's this line right here. The communists openly declare that their ends can be attained, Marx and Engels wrote, only by the forcible overthrow of all existing social conditions. The forcible overthrow of, of all existing social conditions. So that's Marx and Engels. You know, that's not just about communism and abolishing private property. They want to completely burn down the house, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, everything that exists deserves to perish. That's Marx. And so many of these communist revolutionaries to this day, the the people in the streets that are carrying the hammer and sickle placards while they're standing outside of a statue of Hanipero Serra, and, and, you know, burning it, torching it, and pulling it down with ropes. They're standing there. Everything that exists deserves to perish. They want to reinvent America. They want to reinvent the world anew. And they're about abolition. 
the ruthless criticism of all that exists. And that was Karl Marx. And we're talking with Dr. Paul Kangor, great friend of the show here at the Catholic Cave. He is a professor and author. Um, he teaches political science at Grove City College. He's also the executive director of the Center for Vision and Values there. His new book is called The Devil and Karl Marx, which I highly, highly recommend. You can pick it up at Amazon and other uh, retailers like that. And I think, it, is it Tan Books is the publisher, I think, on this one? Which Yeah, Tan, tan Books, Tan Books. So tan go to Tan and buy it, actually, and then you kind of cut if you're not... Depends on how you feel about supporting Amazon. I, I'm more of going for time. Right, right. Yeah. No, I'm, no, I'm with you. The, in fact, um, so it's, it's interesting. This is kind of inside baseball and publishing. But the one good thing about Amazon is that if you order it there, it links to other books and kind of flags mm-hmm. other books. You can go there and see other things that I've written. But, um, but yeah, no, go to the Tan Books website. Buy it straight from Tan. I, I'm with you on that. So I have a, a couple of questions with the with the time that we have left. One is... I think for a lot of for a lot of uh, in the current setting, there's um, what distinctions would you make between someone's trying to understand, say, Marxism versus socialism versus, say, communism? Are are, are there distinctions that can be made there? Yeah, and and, and people need to understand this. In, in fact, um, you know, this book is a very Catholic book, and I quote at great length all the church encyclicals on socialism, on communism. And the final chapter is you know, you're totally thoroughly Catholic with fundamental transformation, where the Catholic Church stands on this stuff, how the Church rejects all of it. In fact, the criticism that I got in one review, but at um, National Review, is that the guy said the book is too Catholic. Right? And I, no I, such I, thing. I, Don't take that the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, dismiss it, that. <laughs> right, right. And, and meanwhile, I'm thinking, hey, dude, did you notice it's published by Tan Book? Right, <laughs> right, exactly. Come on, That's man. That's truth in advertising right. right there. Right, right. <laughs> but but the uh, it, it, it was quite, it's in Quadragesimo Anno by Pope Pius XI that he said, no one can be at the same time a true Catholic and a socialist. And, and Leo XIII made these distinctions as well, and Rerum Novarum and other mm-hmm. encyclicals. The first Catholic Church encyclical condemning communism, and now remember this, I just talked about the Communist Manifesto, which was published in 1848. The first Catholic Church encyclical condemning communism was by Pope Pius IX. It was published in 1846. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, that's how, that's how ahead of it, it seems like how much of a crystal ball that our Mm -hmm. church had. Really, it's the Holy Spirit uh, leading our church on this. But, but, the, but the Church knew, understands, that in, in Marxist, Leninist, dialectical thought, the theory of Marxism, communism would proceed through a series of stages. History mm-hmm. would, would proceed through a series of stages, from feudalism and slavery to capitalism to socialism to communism. So socialism would be the final transitionary step on the way to communism. Um, Marion Smith of the Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation, when he's asked guys what's the difference between socialism and communism, he says, well, like, like how Christians aspire to heaven, socialists aspire to communism. Oh. And, and, and that's well put. And mm-hmm. I like the religious metaphor there, mm-hmm. because despite those guys being atheists, like Pope Benedict XVI said, yeah, communism is like the New Jerusalem to them. 
It's the, it's the mm-hmm. earthly utopia. And it, it, Ronald Reagan said communism, that religion of theirs. It, it, it really is like that. They treat it like that. So socialism uh, is, is supposed to lead to communism. And I run into young people today who say, well, all, all right, but I'm a socialist who doesn't want to be a communist. Well, all right, buddy. What, <laughs> right, what, right. You know, Good luck you with know, that. You, 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 you redefine that like you've redefined you know, marriage and gender and, you know, and everything else. Go for it. But, but in Marxist-Leninist thought... Socialism leads to communism, whether you like it or not. That's what it does. Right, and and you know there there are a group of people out there that call themselves Christian socialists, and uh, you right. know, there, there there's a whole movement of trying to. I think what the idea is is they're trying to to adopt the economic ideas and try to leave the the sort of religion side of it behind. Is is that even a possibility? I mean, is it is it possible to to divorce the two? The the idea of um, you know kind of I guess state. The, the, the state acquiring the property and redistributing it, um, is, is there any way to divorce that from the almost diabolical religious roots of it? Yeah, I, I mean, like the Church has said, that uh, the idea of a Christian socialist is an oxymoron. And, and we have that in Church encyclicals throughout the late 1800s, throughout the, throughout the 1900s. So, you know, again, as Pius XI said, one cannot be a, a Christian and a socialist. One cannot be a Catholic and a socialist. And the, uh, the ideas, the, the very notion of a piece appearing in America magazine, the Jesuit magazine, in July 2019, with a title like, I'm not making this up, quote, The Catholic Case for Communism, Unquote. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, yeah, look that up. The Catholic Case for Communism, July 2019, America Magazine, the Jesuit Magazine, uh, with, with an editor's note from the editor-in-chief trying to explain why we published an article making the Catholic Case for Communism. Um, you know, that, 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 that is so egregious and so wrong and so incorrect. That actually, guys, that literally would have gotten them excommunicated from the Catholic Church in 1949 under Pope Pius XII's papal decree on communism. It, it, it would, they would have been excommunicated for that. I'm, I'm not exaggerating. Right, yeah. right. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not horrendous. Maybe it should I, still happen. I was going to say, I'm not, I'm not horrendously old. I, I don't want to you know, I don't, I don't age You're myself. You're pretty old. I mean, I'm, not I'm looking right at you, Mark. But, You're but, pretty old. But nonetheless, the, the, the catechism that, that we used when I came into the church, I mean, it had... Are you a member of the Communist Party, or are you are you a communist? As one of the the disqualifiers, right? Exactly. One of the questions for your first for your first confession that that, that you needed to break ties with any any you know mm-hmm. any ties to communism. The, that catechism right. was saying you you've got to disavow it and and, and like renounce it before it can be. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Right. Yep. Right. Yeah. And and the I mean that idea that America Magazine piece. First of all. The, the, the church, any of any of those popes would have would have would have just lost it if they had seen that. Mm-hmm. And, and and even more remarkable, if Karl Marx and Engels were in the room while that was being printed, they would have laughed those guys out of the building. They would have said, "Come on, a Catholic case for communism, <laughs> right? Communism begins where atheism begins, you fools!" <laughs> right? right? Uh, yeah, uh, Lenin, all worship of a divinity is a necrophilia. There is nothing more abominable than religion, he said. Uh, Nikolai Bukharin, the founding editor of Pravda, said, said uh, communism and religion are incompatible. We must fight religion at the tip of the spear, at the tip wow. of the bayonet. 
so even communists would have said, you guys are out of your minds. The, you know, the founders of the American Communist Party, William Z. Foster, you know, he would have walked into the offices of, of, of America and said, well, guys, I guess it's kind of okay if you're Catholic right now, but, you know, if you're going to be a communist, and this is exactly what William Z. Foster said to Congress when he testified in the early 1930s, but you must be in the process of liquidating those superstitious beliefs, unquote. Uh-huh. Right? You, you, can't, you can't do that. So <laughs> right. it, just, it just shows, and I, I quote in this book, Dorothy Day's The Catholic Worker, Right, which which liberal Catholics just swoon over, oh, yeah. and 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 they are telling American communists, look, we might we might be able to support one another in the idea of helping labor, helping the poor, but you cannot be a Catholic and a communist. I mean, it's like Dorothy. Uh-huh. This is an editorial in Dorothy Day's Catholic uh-huh. Worker, right? You cannot do that. We cannot support communism. Communism is atheistic. It denies God. It is materialistic. It abolishes all private property. No, we cannot go there. So to see an article like that in 2019 just shows, you know, how far we've 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 fallen. That we that we don't even know the difference. We don't even understand this. And and, and let me say this: that uh, for people who say. Um, well, but I do believe in, in you know redistributing some wealth and helping the poor, and uh, you know even government provided health care. Okay, but that's not socialism. All right, that I, I mean socialism is an altogether different thing in ideology. Uh, uh, just because the government uh, you know collects your trash and paves your roads, I mean that's not socialism, man. Right? I, right. I, I mean, yeah. you could have some degree of government, but that's not socialism. Right. I, I remember growing up and, and being in high school and, and thinking and talking with my friends that, like, well, you know, high school must be the most socialist institution we've got in America. You know, high school is high school is communist. I mean, we're, 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 we're being forced to be communist here just by having to go to school. But there, there's definitely a distinction there. Right. Like, like you could find all kinds of videos online um, a, a couple good PragerU videos from uh, questions like, uh, is Denmark socialist? And it's by one of the leaders in Denmark. And he's saying, you know, I want to make this clear to Bernie Sanders and AOC and Americans, right? We are not socialist in Denmark. We, right. you know, we, we, yes, we have generous pensions. We have high taxes. We even have government provided this. But, but, you know, but that doesn't make us socialist. Well, and uh, yeah, you, you might a number of these European countries would be considered kind of social democracies, uh, but just because country X or Y has government intervention and and you know this service or that service or even has a high degree of government involvement in healthcare, that doesn't make you socialist. There's varying degrees of of, of these things, and uh, the problem with modern Americans is that they. They don't know the difference because they haven't been educated in this stuff. Do you, do you think, uh, speaking of modern Americans, how, how do you think um, Karl Marx, his, his ideology, uh, fuels or animates uh, social justice like and social justice warriors? How, how do you think? Is there a connection there? Well, unfortunately, there is. And you know, a lot of the people that are pushing social justice today are advocating for forms of socialism. And 
I remember, boy, almost probably 10 years ago, maybe more than that, when Glenn Beck was, was on, on Fox, and I had colleagues here at Grove City College who were just, you know, fuming that Glenn Beck, quote, equates social justice with socialism. Well, social <laughs> justice isn't socialism. You know, this goes back to, re- read the Catholic Church on this. They were writing about socialism in the, or social justice in the late 1800s. Yes, we were. But back then, we understood what social justice really meant. Like, there's a woman in my church who, when we go to the March for Life, wears this shirt that says, social justice begins in the womb, right? Oh, yeah. Which it does. Right. You know, a, a true understanding of social justice uh, is, is, is not socialism. Unfortunately, what's happened is a lot of modern religious left people have co-opted, taken the term mm-hmm. social justice, and kind of used it as a metaphor for their socialism. And, and you know, they've, they've corrupted it. They've, they've perverted it. They've, they've, they've hurt the term. Uh, I remember a friend of mine saying, uh, the, the doves have hijacked just war theory, and they've used that in order to prevent you know, any intervention whatsoever in foreign policy. And that's true. You know, that's, that, mm-hmm. that's happened as well. I mean, you, you've got to go back to the roots of these terms and their language and what they really believe. But people today have taken that language, and they've, they've contorted it, and uh, it's, they've, they've kind of um, reframed it in their own way, by their own definition. And social justice should not mean socialism, but in the hands of many modern-day social justice warriors, they're, they're trying to make it just that. Well, we've been uh, spending this episode of the Catholic Cave speaking with our good friend and scholar, Dr. Paul Kangor. He teaches political science at Grove City College, executive director for the Center for Vision of Values, and author of many, many fantastic books, the latest of which, which we've been focused on today, is The Devil and Karl Marx. It's extremely well-researched, well-written, and it contains all sorts of information I find revelatory that I had no idea. I thought I knew Karl Marx until I read your book, Dr. Gengor, and it's, it's well, it's disturbing and enlightening at the same time. It's I, I can't thank you enough for putting this together and coming on the Catholic Cave. Where can we get a copy of this? Oh well, thanks, guys. Yeah, you could you could get it at Amazon, or like we said earlier, go to the website of Tan Books. And Tan Books does so many great books. And I think if you go to Tan Books right now, it's probably one of the first books that pops up on the page. So. Uh, yeah, not exactly the most edifying Christmas present, but <laughs> but but, I, but I, I would say this. I mean, I, I wrote this for Catholics, and this is something that if you have a kid in college today, mm-hmm. unfortunately, even at many quote-unquote Catholic colleges, they may need this really badly so, because they're, they're learning the wrong things about Marxism and socialism. They need to know what Marx was really about. Boy, we haven't even talked about what a racist and anti-Semitic, how anti-Semitic Marx was. I have that all through the book as well. But, but young people need to know this. They need to be equipped. They need to be armed with this. 
and um, it's crucial information for them. But thank you. I yeah, yeah. It. Anyone under the age of thirty should read it. I mean, if yeah. we're above, which I am over thirty, we should read it first and then gift <laughs> it to other people under the age of thirty. I mean, we we're going to have to have you back because we didn't even talk about Bella Dodd and the infiltration oh, and, and yeah, all that yeah. stuff. I mean, so we're we're just scratching the surface. But 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 thank you once again. Sure thing, guys. Yeah, let's let's do a part two. All right, and we'll look forward to part two. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back to wrap up the Catholic Cave right after this. Have you ever thought about joining the Catholic Church? Have you just wanted to explore the Catholic faith? All you need to do is call your local Catholic Church for more information. We are always happy to help you in your journey to discover and learn more about the Catholic faith. We have classes that are almost year-round, and the classes and information sessions do not involve making a commitment, and there is no pressure to join. Please call your local Catholic parish for more information today and start the journey of one day possibly becoming Catholic as well. God bless. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to the Catholic Cave. I'm Mark Tuttle here with Timothy O'Donnell, Kent Blanford still, and we just got done with a fantastic discussion with uh, Dr. Paul Kengor of Grove City College about his new book, The Devil and Karl Marx. And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. I, um, you know, I, I, I studied Russian history um, in, in college, etc. Um, you know, r- Russian literature, speak a little bit of Russian myself. But the religious side of communism, the, you know, the... We always we always kind of talked about it. We always one? knew. Well, we always talked about it. We always knew that the communists treated communism as if it were a religion. But Dr. Kingor's book really kind of pushes that one step further and says, "Yeah, it really was. It, it was a religion, and it was a, a almost satanic religion." It, it it certainly has the categories. When I think of the ter- when I think of the term religion, I think that it brings with it certain categories that are constituent of the of the term such as it has a um there's a there's a sort of there's a a unifying vision of 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 ways in which one both understands the human person the human community um it it religion informs one's conscience as to right and wrong good and evil um it 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 demands a uh, and it, it invites and then and then obliges and maybe even demands um, value commitments, commitments of one's person, um, body and soul. If one if one acknowledges that there is a soul, uh, so it has many many it, and it has devotees and it also has um, rituals. There are all kinds of rituals that that come along with it too. Um, and there's a there's a kind of sacrificing of oneself to the to the to the collective um that that again can be reminiscent of of religions writ large so um i i definitely find that a compelling analogy uh and and the book is is fantastic and again dr kangor mentions it's a it's a it's a catholic it's a book that's very helpful for catholics but but not just catholics it's just that the catholic church what he's pointing out is that the catholic church especially through the um, writings by uh, some of the, the Holy Fathers has cr- has uh, created a deposit of of intellectual and spiritual resources that uh, really kind of explain um, Marxism and its uh, its its ugly proteges socialism 
and communism that are super helpful. Right, right. And, you know, we talked a little bit about the difference between, you know, communism, socialism, um, what a lot of people label socialism now, which, you know, is kind of big government, um, you know, large welfare type of programs. A lot of that gets labeled as socialism mm-hmm. um, and, and very possibly wrongly. And, and the distinction between the two, I, I really think, is the distinction between good and evil in general, and that is the constructiveness versus the destructiveness that he describes. You know, he, he talks about Karl Marx, you know, saying that, that he wants nothing better than just to simply destroy. You know, he came to tear down. And it, it's really, I mean, I think when you look at the difference between good and evil, good is ultimately creative. Good is, is ultimately rooted in love. And from that love, you have an overabundance of it that, 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 that creates. I mean, that's the nature of the world. The world itself is constantly growing and creating because it's based on the creative love of God. Evil is just nothing but the negation of that. And all evil wants to do and all evil can do is simply destroy. And uh, I think that came out um, in, in that conversation. It definitely comes out in uh, Dr. Kengor's book. Yeah, that, that's an excellent point. I, I also think, um, and, and this is, we, we definitely have to have a, a part two, but uh, some of what, uh, some of what uh, this book is going to be helpful uh, is very helpful for us, uh, all of us uh, listening, is there, there is the, in the current setting, there is this incredible impulse towards um, socialism and communism and Marxism. And if we're going to be using those terms, we ought to understand kind of what we mean by them. And this book is going to help us do that. And as we talked earlier with Dr. Kangor, it's the uh, one thing that I think that can be very helpful in engaging others who maybe are not like-minded um, about the uh, the pernicious dangers of Marxism is again to kind of point to the fruit of the labor because the fruit of the the fruit of the tree of of Marxism because there's lots and lots of uh, statistics and empirical evidence as to what what when you implement the this this uh, I would call it false religion false ideology. Uh, evil ideology, you can see the body counts just rise. And, and there's all kinds of, we recently had on the, on the, in the Catholic cave, we had Dr. David Devil with his new book on souls and Eatson. So read, you read, you can read like souls and Eatson's book, the, the, the uh, Gulag Archipelago, and you can see the, uh, the, the incredible damage that uh, that uh, Soviet style communism reaps yeah they, and there it gets just much more personal there there mm-hmm. the destruction is the attempt to destroy the heart and soul of individuals and uh, you know the remarkable thing about Solzhenitsyn is is realizing the resiliency of the human heart in the midst of that mm-hmm. concerted almost industrial attempt to break down individuals and destroy their spirits. And, um, you know, it, it really is, it really is true that, you know, communism goes, um, you know, top down, um, in its destructiveness and, um, yeah, and, and unfortunately, there there's still still communist regimes out there today that are uh, you know trying to do the exact same things. Yeah, and in, in that in the recent past too. I mean, referring back to a, uh, a I think a really fantastic book overall, and uh, I'm not sure which one I like better, uh, Pope and a President by Dr. Kango, or, or this one, The Devil and Karl Marx. They're they're both just excellent. But a Pope and a President, it's you, one can find the um, a chronicling of the battle of Holy Mother Church against Marxism, Marxism and communism. And there you see 
the partnership and collaboration and solidarity between President Ronald Reagan and uh, St. John Paul the Great. Um, and Margaret Thatcher, actually, I'd be thrown in the mix, too, because she was a yeah, big part of it, too. Yeah, I know. She gets, yeah. she gets sorts she of gets, and, Yeah, you know, maybe my, by Americans. You know, and, maybe that's Americans. Right, but. and my, my wife was recently watching The Crown, and, um, you know, she, she's not, poor Margaret Thatcher is not portrayed very well in that series, either. So not she's only the is, Iron Lady, I though. Know, you know, she, oh, she, yeah. she, you know, not only does she get, uh, not only does she get forgotten when you're, when you're looking at the mm. battle against communism, but then, you know, she kind of gets, uh, she kind of, I don't know, his history has not necessarily uh, well, per- depicted her well. I think what's funny about that is the fact that it was the Soviets who labeled her the Iron Lady. And, you know, they saw that as an insult and she just took it and said, yeah, that's me. Come on. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she was tough as nails, you know, and which is good. We call that fortitude, right? Mm-hmm. Courage. She was courageous. She had the right Here's the thing. She had the right set of principles, and then she stood by them in the face of, of incredible adversity and, and a lack of uh, support. You know, a lot of people thought, uh, even Holy Mother Church, uh, there were churchmen even that thought during the Cold War that a uh, kind of a, uh, I don't want to say appeasement, but a kind of a detente with communism was the best one could hope for. But then you had, uh, then the, the Lord raises up uh, courageous men like um uh, again, St. John Paul II to to say, no, we, we actually can vanquish this evil. Right. And, and this book, the, the Devil and Karl Marx, it really acts as a prequel to uh, to, to the, the Pope and the President, um, Dr. Kingor's previous book. Yeah, if, if you uh, if you liked the Pope and the President, this really kind of fleshes out. This is it gives what, you a lot of runway it, it, into yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, this is what um, Pope John Paul II and Ronald Reagan were up against. This is what they were fighting against was this ideology. And, and why he called it, uh, why President Reagan called it the evil empire, because it it uh, it unleashes all kinds of evil on humanity. Uh, one of the other things that I thought uh, uh, Dr. Kangor brought up that was really uh, particularly helpful is that when you look at uh, real evil actors throughout history it's not that they and he was making this distinction it's not that they're they that there there seems to be evidence that they were explicitly um uh, involved in the occult or satanic worship and black masses and that it's more that they have given the their allegiance either explicitly or um maybe even subconsciously over to the devil and his machinations and so when you look at like a Karl Marx, you can see that when um, his his hatred for religion is uh, places him squarely in the camp of someone who is cooperating with the devil. And with that, we're going to need to wrap up today's edition of The Catholic Cave. For Mark Tuttle, for Timothy O'Donnell, I'm Kent Blanford. One, thanks once again to... Dr. Paul Kengor, and uh, we'll be back with more of the Catholic Cave next week. Enjoy, be safe, and God bless. The Catholic Cave is a production of Catholic Radio Indy. Replays of this program are available in podcast form at catholicradioindy.org. Comments about this program can be addressed to Kent at catholicradioindy.org or by calling 317-870-8400. Did you miss something in this show or just want to hear it again? 
podcasts of this and all our other great local programs are available 24-7 at catholicradioindy.org.